0: entering with curiosity really helps to cement connection. And really what entering with curiosity does is says to our children, I see you, you matter to me, and what you think is important.
1: Hi, I'm glad you're here with us today. This is Choose to be
0: Curious, a show
1: all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but Mostly, it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton. Welcome. Come, choose to be curious with us. Do some word association with me. When I say parenting, what words come to mind? Love, responsibility, maybe once upon a time carpool, but perhaps not humble inquiry. Ed Schein was at MIT for nearly 50 years, focusing on business culture. He championed humble inquiry, the kind of inquiry, as he put it, that derives from an attitude of interest and curiosity. He was pushing back against the workplace culture of telling, especially leaders' telling, that cements hierarchies and freezes understanding. In asking, not telling, we relinquish power and make ourselves vulnerable. And with vulnerability comes the deepening of relationships. Shine's work was in business, but I think it has legs in any relationship, in any family, particularly for parents, where relinquishing power to one's kids isn't necessarily everyone's first instinct. I have the good fortune of walking three mornings a week with someone who thinks a lot about the dynamics of good relationships and shared power. When educator, therapist, and community advocate Kate McCauley and I first met more than 20 years ago, our kids were young and conversations about parenting took up most of our waking and walking time. From the very start, I was always impressed with Kate's focus on taking the judgment out of family conversations, and her commitment to helping others do the same. And it's my pleasure to have her join me today to share with all of you some of what has kept us walking and talking low these many years. So welcome,
0: Kate. Thank you, Lynn. I am uh, feeling safe that we're going to be able to do some nice exploration today, as we do so often.
1: (laughs) So often. So, you know, when we Booked this conversation. I think we were thinking of it in the parenting context, but your interest, concern, and expertise are with how we show up in all of our relationships. So when I sat down this morning, I found myself wondering, how is parenting like and unlike other relationships?
0: That's a great question. Actually, I was thinking about the quote from Ed Schein and Humble Inquiry, because while it comes from the business world, I think that one of the things that makes parenting different is that there is a power differential. Mm -hmm. And that power differential throughout the child-earing process shifts and changes. So, that in the beginning, we have all of the power, and we are the ones who are sort of shaping our babies' understandings of the world and whether or not the world is a safe place where needs are going to be met. But eventually, as, as they go through elementary school and start moving into middle school and start to necessarily reject us, I mean, I should mention that my background is in human development, and so I rest heavily on Eric Erickson's thinking about development and the stages of development. But our adolescents are sort of necessarily needing to reject us to be able to go out in the world and live full adult lives. And the power differential shifts. So they go from adoring us and thinking that, we are the best thing in the world to really needing to reject us and move more toward their peers. But even as I say that rejecting, I think that's more what the parent experiences and (laughs) less of what the the teenager is actually doing. And there's plenty of research to support that and the importance of parent attitudes and opinions in adolescence decision-making. But we certainly feel rejected from that very first rolling of the eyes.
1: So that's a way that parenting is both like and unlike all relationships, right? I mean, all relationships have this power dynamic in them, and i and I think it shifts too, right? It goes from that adoring to maybe the power shifting on financial bases or you know, other kinds of issues that come into our intimate relationships and or in in the workplace. So how does then curiosity fit into the power dynamic?
0: This is the place where I think we really are able to relinquish our teacher power position and entering with curiosity really helps to cement connection. And Really, what entering with curiosity does is says to our children, I see you, you matter to me, and what you think is important. The importance of coming in, being curious, being willing to ask questions, being willing to not be the expert on all things, uh, particularly as we get older, being willing to say, I don't know, let's find out together, just helps to cement that connection between ourselves and anyone yeah i will i love
1: the message of your important that by asking the questions listening to the child the partner the whomever that telegraphing of importance (laughs) is more
0: important than we sometimes realize absolutely and it It is not just the words, although the words are so important, but it is sort of opening our physical being up, looking curious because we are curious and being willing to sort of hear things that can be disconcerting and being willing to follow it up with more questions as opposed to, well, I think blah, 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 or the other question I absolutely despise is, is don't you think?
1: Oh yeah.
0: Because don't you think is a closed question. It's yes or no. Either I think what you just told me, or I don't think what you just told me. And when you say, don't you think you have just told me what I'm supposed to be thinking, whether I think that or not.
1: Interesting. So I want to go back to something you just said, which was very interesting to me about sort of how we look. Um, and what we telegraph with our body language. Expand on that, if you will. I mean, what does choosing to be curious look like?
0: So it looks like a more open body. It's interesting because with adolescents, actually with most of us, face-to-face intimate conversations are hard to have. But it is some switching back and forth between who's facing forward and who's looking at the other person.
1: You know, when I had teenagers in the house and carpooling was a part of my life, the conversations that you would have in the car where you were in a contained space, but nobody was actually looking at anyone. And I'm struck actually that we don't have as much of that right now. And that's kind of a difference in the ways that some parents may be interacting with their kids in this time of the pandemic.
0: Yeah, we don't, and that's that's such a loss. Mm-hmm. But, the, but also, I remember experiencing the loss when my kids got their driver's licenses right. and no longer needed me to drive them to practice because, sure, some of our most important conversations came that way. But sort of going back to the physical, it is really a soft face. It is really eyes that are open wide the way we bring curiosity in. And I don't want to overthink it because really having that physical sense of curiosity comes from truly being curious Mm -hmm. and wanting Mm -hmm. to understand more. And so a lot of times when our kids are trying on new ideas and thoughts, part of what they're doing is looking for how we're going to respond to it. Or even when someone says something and we're in the middle of something like doing the dishes or whatever else, and we put it down and we turn toward Mm -hmm. to say, Mm -hmm. tell me more. I want to hear more about that. Yeah, Tell me more and say some more are really, really great ways of getting that to happen.
1: (sighs) Okay. So I want to come back to these kind of curiosity practices and strategies, but you also said something that I've been thinking a lot about in terms of conversations we've had over the years in coupling curiosity and parenting, way, way before this show. And one of the things that we wrestle with is that it's hard to take judgment out when you care. So how do we do that without forsaking the values we as parents have used to govern our households, raise our kids and in any relationship? So when and I'm thinking of this, when you just mentioned kind of a teenager trying things out and coming home, there are times where the things that they're trying may alarm us, may challenge some of our values. How do we stay curious and in the moment when those sorts of things happen?
0: Well, one of the things we can do is, in fact, acknowledge our own feeling. Yeah. So we might say something like, you know, when you say that, it makes me a little bit nervous. So I guess I'd like to hear more. Oh, nice. And so we're acknowledging that, that we can't just be the cool parent, that we might have some concerns. And one of the things that I've found is that when we acknowledge that, our kids come back curious. Well, what makes you nervous about that? And so that's when we have the opportunity to say, well, you know, I have some concerns around this or that or the other. And we get to have that conversation. Yeah. So instead of saying, oh, my gosh, that's a terrible thing. um, (laughs) Or, you know, you can't be friends with that person anymore after they've shared something about something maybe their friends have done. And again, all of this conversation is experiment for them, right? they're They're still trying to figure out how should I feel about this? And when we come from our parenting perspective of saying it makes me a little nervous, then they often want to understand more. And again, when we do it in soft tones and in an open way, we are inviting the discussion and the conversation.
1: Well, you said something very interesting recently. That just because a conversation is over doesn't mean the discussion is complete. And I'm realizing that uh, that could come up in a moment like this, right? Where maybe we're confronted with something we're not really quite sure how to respond. So maybe one strategy is to say, is to come back to it, right? After we've had some time to process or (laughs) calm down or or think about it.
0: Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Well, I think that, that, You know, part of what I'm talking about sounds like an ideal world. And, you know, I am at risk of people saying, yeah, but in the moment. And, you know, (laughs) quite frankly, sometimes in the moment, we really do screw it up. And I certainly have done that many times, both with, you know, my own kids, with students and all of that. So I have developed the practice of circling back and saying, you know, I don't think I handled that as well as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. There is so much more I wanted to say, and I'm wondering if there might be a good time for us to talk about it. We're talking about this in terms of parenting, but my work is more expansive than that. I teach a class at George Mason called Relationship Health that is, from my perspective and meeting my my course objectives, is a skill building class. But this spring I'm teaching for Encore Learning in Arlington, I'm teaching a class on Healthy Relationships. And so I'm going to be teaching retirees and talking to retirees. And when I say teaching, it really is, you know, much more of a a dialogue, but talking to retirees about how to be in healthy relationships. And so this goes for, for everybody. Just because the conversation ended and may have ended badly doesn't mean that we can't circle back. But the other thing that's so important is for all of us, when we particularly are having a difficult conversation or a crucial conversation or something that we've gone back and been thinking about, we so often have it completely planned out, right? We know exactly <laughs> what our bullet points are. We know exactly the sentences. We've picked our lines out perfectly.
1: That doesn't sound very curious.
0: <laughs> no, it it isn't, is it? But the other part is, is that we then walk in and say to somebody, we need to talk. Uh-huh. Now, anytime anyone has ever said that to me, I don't know about you, but when they say it to me, my curiosity goes down the drain and I get very defensive. Like, Mm -hmm. what are we going to talk about? What did I do wrong now? What's happened, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so what I try to encourage people to think about is, is saying, you know, I'd like us to circle back to that conversation before, and I'm wondering if we might find some time this weekend to do that. And so it gives the person that we want to engage in a curious exchange with the opportunity to think through some of their points as well. And as parents, you know, we want to make our points and we want to make sure they understand our points. And if we go into it with curiosity and we bring our points in, in in gentle ways, then we can also ask, so what do you think about that? yeah And does that sound like something that resonates with you, or is there is there another way that I might be thinking about this too? Because what I really want to do is support you. so, Let's have those conversations and let's really talk about it. The other thing that I think is a good pause for us is when our kids ask us questions that we might be uncomfortable with. And one of the ones I think that we get so afraid of is the, didn't you do that when you were my age Mm -hmm. question Mm -hmm. and the willingness to be able to pause there and say, I want to answer your question, but I'm curious why you're asking. So there's that word curious. And then we get to find out what the real question is. Like if it's a drug or alcohol question, for example, and someone says, you know, didn't you drink or didn't you use drugs when you were my age? When we go back to the why do you ask, what we often find is that the kids are saying, you don't know what it's like to be me. And you don't know what it's like now. And and those things are really true. But... One of the things that we can find out is, are they asking for permission because we've been successful and we did the same things they did? Or are they looking for us to understand how hard it is to live in a legalized marijuana world, for example, and not bend to the opportunities and pressures? And so it just gives us, again, that why do you ask gives us that opportunity to learn more about the questions so we can help them in their exploration.
1: You're listening to Choose to be Curious, the show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and I'm joined today by educator, therapist, and community advocate, Kate McCauley, about the power of humble inquiry in parenting. I wanna go to something that I know is a real concern and a place where you're similarly applying your energy to show up as an anti-racist. And I'm thinking about that in what I know is a sort of a way you think about relationships generally in terms, think globally and act locally. And anti-racism seems to me to be a really kind of profound example of that. And I was thinking of it back when you were talking about difficult conversations because, boy, talk about changes in power and dynamics and attitude. And I wonder what you're thinking about that intersection right now.
0: So it's interesting because... Many, like 15, 20 years ago, Ashley Merriman, actually Poe Bronson and Ashley Merriman published a book called Nurture Shock. And in that book, they actually had a chapter that talked about how white people don't talk about race and that that really leaves white children and emerging adults at a loss. You know, we were steeped in our own sort of unacknowledged white privilege um, growing up, at least in my household. And I grew up in the South for the most part. My dad was in the military, but most of our stations were in the South. And so a lot of things that I took for granted and didn't give any thought to, my children have pushed me to think about more. I, I got a nice compliment from my son not too long ago about my willingness to evolve in my understanding of What is racist and what, you know, how I might want to rethink about that? These are conversations that we need to have. And in this case, my kids are more informed than I am, my young adult kids are more informed than I am. And I need to be careful about getting defensive. And so we have to be willing to talk about it and we have to be willing to talk about our own discomfort with this. One of the things for me around that is also being willing to talk about my own biases and being honest with where I come from and and what I've believed in the past, all the while believing that I wasn't racist. But now I'm also clear, and my kids have really brought that to me, that it's not enough not to be racist. I need to be anti-racist and I need to be working harder at stepping up and speaking truth to power and and stopping things sometimes mid-sentence
1: and being curious about where it's showing up in oneself where it's showing up systemically I mean it sort of comes back around to that thinking globally acting locally but also you know very profoundly it seems to me to this question of parenting and shifting power and that to do that we make ourselves vulnerable and one way to get to that vulnerability is through curiosity
0: you know, I feel like when I'm really seen in my relationships, when I'm really curious and my questions reveal more about me, I really actually have more power in the relationship because I'm not working hard to mask who I am or what I believe or what I think. We get to have such so much of a more mature relationship with our children as, again, they move into adulthood. If what we're willing to do is to be honest and curious in our relationships with them.
1: So um, are you ready for my big jar of wannabe analogies? I am so excited. <laughs> That's the spirit. All right. Okay, so you know the drill. I have this big jar and in it are slips of paper. I'm gonna make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on these slips. And um yours is quilt and mine is slinky, and then I have one for the audience. You wanna go first or you want me to go?
0: I will go first. Oh, Everybody right. makes you go first. And so I think <laughs> I will go first.
1: All right.
0: Um, so curiosity is like a quilt because there are so many different ways to make it and so many different ways to see things. The beauty of quilting um, is that you can have patterns. Um, and discipline, but there are also just these really artistic and amazing quilts that um, just play with color and play with light and, and get you to look at things. When you look at them really closely and look at the detail of them, you see one thing. And when you step back, you get to see this whole other image that, that is projected. And so for me, curiosity and quilts go hand in hand.
1: Mm, nice, nice, very nice. So mine is slinky. How is curiosity like a slinky? Um, well, a slinky, uh, when it's in its um, still state, is a very kind of uninteresting, sort of utilitarian, slightly industrial looking thing, but it gets interesting when it's in motion. And I think curiosity is the same thing, that it's most interesting when it's dynamic and it's in motion and it's (laughs) whether it's making its way down the stairs or zinging back and forth in our hands, that uh, its greatest value to us is when we take it off the shelf and we play with it. So I'll say that's how curiosity is like a slinky. And audience, yours is cinnamon stick. How is curiosity like a cinnamon stick? Let me know. (laughs) Never know what's going to come out here. Uh, You know, uh,
0: Lynn, when I listen to your show, um, I always like jump to the audience analogy. I'm really bad about actually getting on the website and saying what I think it is. But even cinnamon (laughs) stick, I just automatically went to thinking about it.
1: Oh, see, I love to hear that. I love to hear that. Well, audience out there, if you've got something, let me know. Facebook, Twitter, hashtag analogy. Well, Kate, thank you for the analogy, for the conversation, for the 20 some years of walking and thinking together and for the work that you do uh, that supports the rest of us in showing up with curiosity in all of our relationships.
0: Thank you, Lynn. This was really wonderful. And as I said at the beginning, it felt safe to be in your hands to help me think about how I'm thinking about this.
1: Kate and I recorded this conversation in the thick of the pandemic, and there are certain moments where you can feel that amber-like frozen quality. But as I've listened to this conversation in the intervening months, I can see that those moments, while emblematic of that time, are also emblematic of timeless dynamics in our relationships, parenting, child-rearing, or otherwise. You've been listening to Choose to be Curious. Find this and all my previous episodes on my website, choosetobecurious.com. I hope you'll follow me there on all the various social media. Don't forget to send us your cinnamon stick analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Kate McCauley, for this conversation and the years of wisdom-drenched walks. I've got links to Kate Center for Parents and Teens on my website. Thanks, too, to Sean Ballack for our theme and other music. I hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, choose to be curious.
0: So one of the things that's been changing in my thinking but also speaks to really being curious is Alison Gopnik talks about how we've shifted over the last 20 or so years from the previous generations attitudes about child rearing and much more now we talk about parenting and one of the things that that does is it shifts the focus it shifts from focusing on raising children into adulthood which to me includes sort of the curiosity practice and it shifts to thinking about the parents and what they're doing right or wrong and to me it, the more I've been thinking about that when I first heard her talking about it, the more I really have worked away from the idea of parenting and into the idea of our job is child rearing. And so, looking at and knowing our children and helping them move into adulthood is a much stronger, curious concept for me.